It's a real pleasure to be here this morning. You know, there's an old hymn called, No One Ever Cared for Me Like Jesus. But people don't learn that until they've been introduced to Jesus. And it's my privilege this morning to introduce Dr. Tony Webb, who is uh, introducing a lot of people to Jesus through the fellowship of Grace Brethren Churches nationally and oftentimes internationally now. And he has been going around, you know, many times people will try to dissuade you from ministry. They'll say, oh, it's no use to go there. Well, he goes anyway. And my wife, Melissa, and I have really enjoyed, uh, this is our third trip around Alaska with Dr. Tony Webb and his wife, Kathy. And Melissa and I have just had a ball. But when we come up here, we create a schedule for him that most people might not want to repeat because we work them morning, afternoon, and evening for 10 or 11 days straight. But, uh, but we're, so, we're th- so thankful that they come back. You know, I'd like to, I was sort of having fun with the Kenai Grace Brethren Church this morning because they know him pretty well now. They've spent days with him. So I said, well, I think I'd like to tell you some things that you may not know about Tony Webb. And one of the things is that he is so relational and so down to earth that sometimes people don't realize that he is a scholar. He is a Greek scholar. He has also uh, obtained his doctorate ministry degree in church planting, which is what he's doing now. He's also written two books to create a methodology for church planting. And he's created this huge network. In, up here in Alaska, Vision Alaska has only been in existence just a little bit over a year, but we're all seeing great movement. On this trip alone, in the last 10 days, we visited 12 Alaska communities. We've been in all four Fellowship of Grace Brethren churches. We understand, uh, we heard from the youth there, and I'm sure your youth went to the annual conference and came back fired up to do work for Jesus. So we have the tools. So I just want to let you know that uh, this is a very special person. He's a great husband and a great father. Uh, He is persistent. He's got scriptural integrity. He's He's authentic in his scriptural faith. And I have watched him walk into totally cold rooms of uh, in non-Christian settings, non-Christian settings, and just warm people up and have them commit in Alaska to start a church here. And we've seen it uh, two or three times, maybe four times in one week this week. So I hope you'll help me to uh, welcome Dr. Tony Webb. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Well, it's an absolute joy to be with you and to have this opportunity to uh, open the Word of God together. And uh, part of what I'd like to do is uh, just share with you a little bit of who we are and go from there. The, uh, the process of what the Lord's done in uh, mine and Kathy's lives is, uh, first, we have two wonderful kids, uh, both married. They both live in Texas, and we live in Ohio. So we go to Texas a lot, and uh, we have two grandchildren, and we're thrilled with all of that. 
And the process of uh, what God's done in our world is a uh, pastor established Grace Pattern Churches for 24 years and was at the last church in uh, southwest Columbus, Ohio for 19 years. And through that process, we daughtered five churches. And for me, it kept me in the game because I've always had an interest in church planting. And so doing that kind of kept me, you know, where that was okay. It worked. Well, as God would work, that got to the point where that wasn't enough anymore. And this group called Vision Ohio started in 1995, and I was blessed to be there at the first meeting, and so I've always walked this with Vision Ohio. Well, in 07, I became the director of Vision Ohio, and what Vision Ohio did is we just started working to plant churches in Ohio. And God kept stirring, kept stirring, kept stirring, and two years before God got my attention, got Kathy's attention, Kathy was saying, I really think it's time. I think God wants this Vision Ohio thing. And she would, we would talk about that. And finally, that became true. So I'm a regional missionary, church planning missionary, began in Ohio, but now we're across the country. And so in 2010, we became full-time just planting churches in Ohio. Well, as we were doing that, other regions started calling us and saying, Hey, Tony, could you kind of come... And tell us about some of those Vision Ohio things that you've been doing with the number of new churches that have been started in Ohio. And we say, well, sure. So much so that a few months ago, we became Vision USA. And we're in, like I said last, time, last hour in Kenai, I'm not a number person, so all my numbers are round. That's why God gives us Excel spreadsheets, and I'm so thankful for that. But we're in 28 or 29 regions around the country now doing church planting. And uh, he, God's given us... 105, 110 new church starts, new churches in the network since 07, with about 90 or 95 of them in the last two years. Excited to be here with Vision Alaska, which at conference a few weeks ago in D.C., National Conference, became uh, recognized as operating ministry with the FGBC. So we're excited about that. So that's who we are, and as we go around, and we're just now getting opportunities to go to places like Haiti, Mexico, uh, we have a couple in our network going to the Philippines next summer to start doing, um, we call it GSE, Gather Shepherd Elder. That's the process that we're using because we don't need money to plant churches anymore. Now, if you have a boatload of money and want to plant a church, we'll help you spend it. Okay? Is that a deal? We'll let you do that. But because that disappeared in 08 with the economic meltdown here in America, and that was a, a brilliant stroke church planning-wise, it made us forced to process through how do we plant churches with no money. And so we've been doing that. So of the 110 new churches in the network, we have three that have happened that have been a boatload of money, 107 who haven't. So we're excited about that, and that's what we want to keep doing because that's what God is doing around the world. Around the world, except in America, Europe, and Australia, the church is exploding. One a day, all over the place. Except here, Europe, in Australia. We think we know why. We're trying to implement some of those ideas so that we can beg God for that here. So Vision USA is a regional-based movement. We're about regional movement. We, the book of Acts teaches that it's about regional movement, not national movement. So Alaska is its own region. And boy, you guys are big. <laughs> oh my goodness. A lot of territory. But lost people need Jesus, right? you got to talk to me or I'll start over. (laughs) 
So what I want to share this morning is how we together are meant to be change agents. The word change. We're meant to be people to help other people change. So whether they don't know Jesus and need to know Jesus, we help them do that change. Or maybe they've met Jesus, but not much is happening. We help them continue to change and being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to look at this morning as we open the Word together. And as we look together in this, I want to work through the whole idea of why do we do such a thing? And then look at how and some of the some of the what's. But you know, you know these first two places I want us to look at. You know Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where Jesus had told his disciples before he died, back in chapter 26 and chapter 28, verse 7, after I rise, I'm going to meet you in the mountain in Galilee. So Jesus meets the disciples there, and they see him. Matthew tells us they worship. And then Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you, and law I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So our job is disciple-making, is it not? So as we go about making disciples, the process is for us to go constantly, all the time, Every place you are, every place I am, since I'm the church, since you're the church, every place I go, I'm going. Because that's where I'm at. And that's where you're at. So that's what go means, and that's what goes about. And so we, we make disciples, we baptize them, we teach them to obey everything Jesus said. And Jesus says, I'm with you always. And then there's another one over in John of the five Great Commission passages. I'm just looking at two of them to just set the foundation for while we're looking at, but in John chapter 20, verse 21, this one is powerful and unique for me personally because Jesus makes it so simple, and I love simple, I need simple. And he says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Now, what's really amazing about that passage is, though in English both words, sins, are there, they're two different Greek words. The first one, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, what that means is, as the Father has given me the authority to move out and make this happen, that's how the Father sent me with a commission. So I'm sending you. That word for send means, I'm sending you. Well, I'm sending you because we're together in this. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, we're in this together with you. So we're going to be with you as you do this. So it's such a profound message. But I don't have to worry about the authority. That's already been set. Jesus has that. But Jesus says, I'm going with you. So go. Make it happen. Make it happen. Make it fly. Make it go all these places. So we have this saying, this uh, catchphrase that we're working with in Vision USA. And it's any person, any place, any time can start a church. Because if we don't need money to do it, I mean, we have this young man named Danny. He's 18 years old. He's planted a church in a trailer park south of Plain City, Ohio. He's been working at it for about a year and a half. He used to deliver papers in that trailer park and just got burdened for the people. And there's now a church there. Probably five or six families that gather in this new church that started. 
And so we're seeing those kinds of things happen all over the place in our network, and the whole process being that that's what we're after, so that any person, any place, any time can start a church. Part of the amazing thing we're seeing that I'm sure is true here, I know for a fact it's true in Ohio, is there are a number of people who will not walk through the doors of Peninsula Grace. Has nothing to do with you. Because you would receive them, you would love them, and there's many who are and who will. But they're just people who won't. It has nothing to do with you. Has everything to do with them. And so we're faced with this idea of what do we do with them? Do we let them go to hell? Just because they won't come here, do we let them go to hell? What's the answer? No. So what do we got to do? Well, we have to go put church with them. So our concept is, our desire is to put the gospel where it's not, put the church where it's not. I mean, we went into the Sterling uh, Senior Citizens Center one day this week. I don't know what day. It was one day this week, because Roger's not kidding about schedule. When you're working with a general, the man knows how to make things happen. Oh my goodness, it's amazing, and it's awesome. But we walk into this center, and we're just going because Roger's burdened. Roger and Melissa are just burdened. We've got to do something. There are people there. So we're just going hoping the food's good, because we're just going to have lunch. So the, you know, it's kind of like, I'm thinking, I, I mean, I just hope the food's good. So we walk in, and the food is good. And we're there an hour and a half. And in that hour and a half, what Jesus did is Jesus a gather. And that gather shares her burden for that place and what God's done in her. Because she's in a wheelchair and has physical struggles. But she's living there. God's brought her there. She has a burden for the people of the place. So many of them can't go to a church. They can't travel. Or it's very difficult for them to travel. So we end up, we meet a gather, and before we're done, Roger's got a place lined up and permission from the people there to start a new church. It's not a bad hour and a half. Because we've got to take the gospel to people, do we not? We do. We do. Because if we don't, they may go to hell. Because then someone else has to do it. And that's not the point. The point is, we're told to go. That's our job. And so we're going to go, right? We're going to make this happen because that's what Jesus has called us to do. And every place we are, that's what it's going to be. Now, another place and idea that is important for us in this any person concept is in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Now, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, we're in the midst of a context where God is speaking and he's talking to the, the seven spirits and all this kind of stuff. And so in verse 9, he says... The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. The way other translations handle the Hebrew there is this. The picture is, there stands Zerubbabel with a plumb line. You know, some weight at the bottom of a line among the ruined walls of Jerusalem. He stands there with a plumb line. And he says, let no man despise the day of small beginnings. 
I love that. Envision USA, one of our driving forces, is we will be the masters of small beginnings. Because we go places where we have nothing. We went to Chicago uh, in early June, Kathy and I, and the guy that leads Vision Indiana was burdened to, we just got to go to Chicago. So Aaron is the guy that leads Vision Indiana. He had just planted a church called Empty Hands Bible Church in Little Lake, Indiana. It's a multi-ethnic church, and one of the guys in his church is LJ, who's African-American, grew up on the south side of Chicago. Now, if you know Chicago, that's the place you don't want to get lost. It is violent. And it is hard. So we just felt that Jesus wanted us to go. So we took LJ, he grew up there, and we spent four days on the south side of Chicago. Prayer walking. And while we're there prayer walking and we're out doing this, our prayer was, God, let us meet a gather each day. Because in our GSE process, gather shepherd elder process, it's about gathers. Gathers who are just people magnets. They just do people well. And so we take a gather, we team it with an Ephesians 4.11 shepherd, and that's how church starts. And so we're just praying, God, give us gathers. Well, on the first day, we meet a gather. It's just crazy. LJ remembers this guy from years ago, and we actually knock on the wrong door. Of the, he thought it was this house. It wasn't. Nobody's home. We go on and come back about an hour later. Somebody's sitting on the steps outside that house, and LJ says, is Antonio home? Antonio? He doesn't live here. He lives there. So we're knocking on the wrong door. So we go to that house, knocking, he's there, and we have this amazing conversation. Clear he's the gather. So we cast a little vision with him. He says, yeah. So next day, we go to Kankakee, same thing happens. And you're thinking, okay, this can't happen again. Wednesday, we have this church gathering, LJ's dad's church on the south side of Chicago, a missionary Baptist church. We meet the pastor. He puts this meal on. 20 people show up. And we need like five gathers that night. And so our job now is to go back and circle around and, and take these and start developing them into churches. But it's just crazy to just go because we believe Jesus wanted us to go there because the house we used as our place of, of starting point, LJ's mom's house, a block south, two Chicago police officers were shot there the week before. Thankfully, they weren't killed, but they were shot by gang people. And that's exactly where we need to be. We've got to take Jesus there. And we've got to take Jesus there in those places here in Alaska. Whether it's here in the road system, whether it's not on the road system, it doesn't matter. There's people who are going to hell all over. And the only hope they have, the only thing that's going to change it for them, is to know Jesus. And so we've got to go to the gospel there. We've got to go put church there because this only happens, only works in the context of church. You can't disciple outside the church. Because the church is what makes it work. And so that's our call. And so anybody can do this. And it doesn't matter how small. One of the two church plants Kathy and I are doing in Ohio um, is in a place called Jacksontown. It's just a very small farming community. Has thousands of people in it because so many go to Columbus to work. But we've been meeting with two other families. We have two gathers in those families. So there are three families total. We've been meeting two and a half years. And up until a month ago, we've had no one join us. Because we made the commitment to only work in the harvest. 
I mean, these families know a number of other people, even other Grace Brethren people live in the area, but we want them to keep going to the church they go to. We made a commitment to only work with the lost in that area. And so our two gatherers have just worked among the lost, and we see the gospel seeds begin to grow. We see so much change happen. And finally, a month ago, we had this lady start coming. And then the next Sunday, this, this man came because we had a funeral for his mom that the church was ministering to. And I don't know who's come because we're gone for like three weeks from, from there. I don't know what else Jesus has done. But for two and a half years, nobody joined us. But because there was no money involved, it didn't matter. People just kept working the gospel. Carrie and Sherry just kept gathering people. They just kept loving on people. And they just kept bringing them in and bringing them in. And so even while we're gone, you know, our main outreach in Ohio is food. I don't know, is that work in Alaska? So we do food events. We just do barbecues and, and invite people. And like 30 people now come to those things. When we did them the first year, nobody came. And now it's like 30 people come to our food events. Soon we'll have them in the church. That's what we're trying to do every place we go. Is it doesn't matter. We just got to put the gospel there. We got to plant the seeds. Jesus said the seed has to grow. In Mark 4, Jesus says you can't harvest until the plant says it's ready. Then you harvest. So it doesn't matter how small. It doesn't matter that Zerubbabel standing there with a plumb line. You know what happened 50 days later, roughly. They were done. Jesus is amazing. Now there's this other idea over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want you to see very carefully because I love this one as well. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul says this in verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Cai. And please notice verse 8. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Cai, but all places. Your faith toward God has been gone forth, so I have no need to say anything to you. That one church sounded forth the truth of the gospel in a geographical region called Macedonia and Cai. One day a few years ago, I got curious. Okay, what kind of impact are we looking at? So I googled it. And assuming similar boundaries, which the best I could construct, they would be similar boundaries of 2,000 years ago. It's 42,000 square miles, Macedonia and Ki. That's larger than Ohio. Now y'all are a bit bigger than Ohio. And the best I can figure is 42,000 square miles might be like from Homer up to just south of Palmer. And what's amazing is Peninsula Grace, you, us, we have the DNA, because this is a DNA issue. We have the DNA to impact a region that size. And it's true, not because of you, or nor because of me, but because of Jesus. That's what Jesus does in every church that preaches his name, that preaches the truth of the scripture. That's the DNA. That's the DNA here. That just here, just this assembly, this gathering of believers called church, you have the DNA to reach a region from Homer up to Palmer. 
Isn't that neat? It is phenomenal. Now, our challenge is living into that truth. I invite you to study it more and make sure I'm saying it right. But if you come to believe that that's true, the next step is, how do we live into that truth? How do we go places where it is entirely too far for people to drive here? How do we do that? How do we go even further than that? In taking Jesus to places where he's not, and putting church where it's not. We have a number of new church starts and new churches in the homeless community. We have, in Florida, in Melbourne, Florida, this guy named Isaac started this church with the homeless. They meet in a gazebo on this very beautiful river where manatees hang out. I mean, if you're going to be homeless, go to Melbourne. They know how to do it, and it's amazing. And so, Kat and I were there last year, and there were like 60 or 70 people at that gathering of that church. They meet Saturday nights. And what's been amazing about that church is they're now a couple years old, is they've gone from a church plant, a new church among the homeless there in Marborn, to where now families come. Families drive there and make that their church, so it's now a family church that happens to have a lot of homeless people in it. Because they're hearing about Jesus in a gazebo under a, a trestle, so when the train comes, you just stop, because you can't hear. So when the train goes by, you just, everything just stops, and people just look at each other until the train goes by, and then you pick back up to where you're at. We have our guy, Stephen Joyce, runs Vision DC. He's doing a lot of church planting among the homeless, so he's planted three churches, two in homeless shelters, in a man's shelter and a woman's shelter, but then he's also done one in a park. So he's got this, this church that meets in Franklin Park in Washington, D.C. at 1 o'clock on Saturdays. And we've been there, Ken, I've been there two or three times. And it's amazing. Put a tent up, and Stephen is this black preacher, booming voice, teaches the word accurately. He's amazing. So he gets out there, and he just starts telling people about Jesus. And people now know the tent's up, they come. And there were... I don't know, 60 or 70 people. Stephen says sometimes there's 100 people that come and meet at that church. Because in D.C., the homeless are, are not allowed to stay in the shelters during the day, so they're pushed out, and they, many of them go to Franklin Park. And so there's now a church there. And so to sit there and pray with those folks and to minister to those folks and do communion with those folks was just amazing. And to see people come to meet Jesus for the first time is amazing. And so that's what it is that God's called us to, and that's what's true. And that's what's true here. That's what's true about Peninsula Grace. Now, I get to work with other denominations, because other denominations want to know what's happening as well. Because they too realize they don't have money to plant churches in America either. And so we're working with some other denominations, and I go and, and you know, meet with them, and I you know, help them as much as I can. But I learn a lot about them. And praise God for them, because we're, in, you know, we're doing the same work. But I am so glad to come back into the FGBC, because there's something unique about the FGBC. And that is, we're a little bit better with the word than a lot of groups. What I'm getting at is, is I'm looking out onto a number of church planters this morning. There's a number of you that can start churches around here. 
And oh, by the way, by definition, we don't ever start a church on Sunday morning. We never want to compete with what's happening here. We just don't do that. And there's a bazillion reasons, and I'm not going to tell you any of them right now. But we just don't do that. But I'm looking at a number of church planters, and I have great ease when I'm working with Grace Brethren people to say, okay, I know this one's going to be strong in the Word, because I work with other ones. I have to make sure that happens, because sometimes it doesn't. And so it's awesome and amazing the opportunity that we uniquely have among the church in this country, among the church in Alaska. And we need to take full advantage of that. It's a gift from Jesus. And we're stewards of that gift, are we not? And since Jesus has made us as the people who can have the DNA to impact large, large regions in his name, that's what it's about. That's where we've got to go. And that's exciting. So what would change look like? We are a collection of regional movements because we believe it's about regional movement, not national movement. And so we want to be a gospel saturation regional movement. So every place we go, what we ask people to pray for is that the gospel would be saturated in Alaska. In this region, pray that Jesus would saturate this place with the gospel. And then we measure the saturation by the number of new churches started. That's who we are. And so as we do that, as we ask people for that, and either with Pastor Larry or with Roger or get a hold of me, I put out a monthly prayer update. Pray for Vision Alaska. Pray for Vision USA. I beg you, we need you desperately to do that. But I put one out every month, which means usually 11 times a year. <laughs> I always seem to miss one month. But it lets you know what's going on, so you know what to pray specifically and exactly. Plus then you'll know what I'm saying about you, because I will. <laughs> I will tell people around the country about you about what God is doing here, and just be smart if you knew what I'm saying. So let me know that. Let's sign up and make that happen together. And you can check us out, uh, visionalaska.org, as well as visionusa.org, or two websites where you can see more about us. But in the book of Acts, I just want to very quickly run through some of the what would this look like, because the book of Acts is six panels. There are six stories that make up the book of Acts. And as Luke wrote it, each of the panels ends with a summary verse. So there are six summary verses in the book of Acts. And I want to just read them. I just want to take us through them together. So you can see what kinds of things God did in the book of Acts in regional movement, because that's what the book of Acts was. That's why we believe in regional movement, because the book of Acts, I believe, patterns regional movement. So in Acts chapter 6... Verse 7 is the first summary verse. And there, and the word of God kept on spreading. The number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Over in chapter 9, verse 31, is the next summary verse. And what I encourage you to do is see the summary verse and go back and study and see what happened. What did people do? Because we obviously what Jesus did. What did people do to make that true? And you'll see one common theme through the whole thing that I may or may not tell you. You can study it yourself. Acts 9.31, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up 
going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. Over in chapter 12, verse 24, Luke tells us, But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. And I do want to just pause here. Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch, burdened of Jesus to send out missionaries to plant churches. And you know from Acts 13, 1, 2, and 3, do you know how many went? Because the Holy Spirit said to the church at Antioch, set apart for me. Who are they? Paul and Barnabas. Two people. Small beginnings. Always small beginnings. Always small beginnings. Oh, by the way, always small beginnings. Over in chapter 16, verse 5, is the summary verse of the fourth panel. This is the one that uh, drives me. So the churches were being strengthened in faith and were increasing in number daily. What that means is this. It does not mean that on Sunday there was 100, the next Sunday there was 110. It does not mean that. Luke is very careful with his terminology. He's very clear to communicate of the growth of the church. What he's saying is on Sunday there were 10 churches in that region, on Monday there was 11, on Tuesday there was 12, and by Sunday there was 15 or 16. What he was saying is there was a new church created, birthed. That's what Luke is saying. That's what multiplication looks like. That's what Jesus is doing around the globe, except in our country, Europe, and Australia. It's happened in Ohio before. In the 1880s, there was a one-a-day movement that swept through Ohio. And you can see it everywhere, as evidenced by buildings. And we're begging Jesus to do it again. And I want you to beg Jesus to do it again. Over in chapter 19, verse 20. The fifth summary verse. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. And then chapter 28 is the last one. We say when verse 23, And when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers, and he explained to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God, trying to persuade them concerning Jesus, both from the law of Moses for the prophets, from morning till evening. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You'll keep on hearing, but will not understand. You'll keep on seeing, but will not perceive. goes on quoting Isaiah 6. Therefore let it be known to you that salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. That's what movement looks like. How amazing, how awesome it would be for us to be able to be just a small part of that here in Alaska among his church here. And to understand the DNA of who we are, to understand the reality of who we are and what it is that God is calling us to, where he's directing our attention, how it is that we can do this. Because there's so many church planners in front of me. Historically, 
and even today in the world, there's never been a church planting movement that's been led by the clergy. It has only ever been led by the church family. And this is confession time since I be clergy. We clergy are control freaks. Okay? And there are movements that are happening around the world and they're documented that when clergy move in, we begin to choke it off because we try and do two things. We try to measure it and then we try and limit its leadership. And when we do that, we choke it off. We think we know that, so we have to make sure we don't do that. Because the Spirit of God is the one that leads these movements. And we don't do anything without being connected to an established church. And so we've got appropriate leadership. We've got elders who need to elder entire regions instead of eldering just one church. Because that's the pattern of the book of Acts. And that's how we've got to move this out, is we've got to be able to see how the gospel needs to go places where it's not. And we've been many places on this trip. Because Gavi and I, in the last 16 months or so, we've had a, we've had, we've loved it, we've had a month of feet on the ground in Alaska. So we're getting to know a few things that we can know in a month. Roger and I have regular monthly conversations, if not more, processing next steps and what it looks like to keep going someplace that we're not. And to hear and see what Jesus is doing and walking in places like Roger indicated this week, that it's going to be just so amazing because we're seeing this all over the place. Jesus wants this more than we do. Jesus wants this more than we do. And he's going to make sure it gets done. So let's make sure we're a part of that. Because we can be. Because we're called to be. Because we're prepared to be. Because it's exactly who we are. Made in the image of Christ. And you may think, wow, there's so much I can't do. Well, be blessed to know that we're not going to ask you to do that. (laughs) We're going to ask you to do the part you can do. That's how churches start. And you're well connected to others. My mind's racing, so I have to stop. You know, I'll go into training mode, and, and we just can't do that. We can do that another time. But the part of what I wanted to have us look at today together this morning is how we are change agents. We are the ones that introduce change, and his name is Jesus. We're the ones that Jesus says, I want you to do this, I've called you to do this, I've prepared you to do this, so let's go do this. And you're the ones that are perfectly positioned to do it. And it begins so simply, it may begin just with the walk across the driveway or the next cubicle. That's sometimes as complicated as it gets. To just simply begin a conversation. And then just beg Jesus for those souls. And just move on. And we're seeing that happen all over the place in so many wonderful and amazing expressions. When we were at National Conference, those gatherings kind of get old for me. And I only want to be places where we're planting churches. I don't like talking about planting churches. And this, you know, anyway, I was ready to leave. 
it was in Washington, D.C., and we had spent time with Stephen. We've done some stuff in D.C., and it was time to go back to Ohio. And so much so, we left the session early, and I think Kathy knew I was ready to go. And so from D.C. to Columbus, Ohio is about an eight-hour drive, and so, you know, you go to the bathroom before you get in the car and start making that drive. So we find a bathroom, and, and I go in the bathroom, and I see this follow Kathy in the bathroom. And I recognized her as being part of one of the sessions we did, and she had a lot of good questions about the kind of stuff that's been going on. And so when I was done in the bathroom, came out, and I'm out in the area outside the bathroom, I could hear Kathy talking. And I knew she's working, because she does it so awesome. She's my gatherer. She's just amazing. And so she's in there telling this young lady, this young lady's asking questions, Kathy's giving her information, and she's asking about her brother-in-law, who's in Syracuse, New York, trying to plant a church, but having some real difficulty. So that's what the conversation's about. Well, I've seen Kathy do this enough, I just go get the car, because I know not to wait, because I know she's working, and I just, I'll go get the car. So I go get the car, and we meet, and she tells me about it, you know, as we're driving out of D.C., and so we start praying for this guy named, I think his name's Josh. It's Josh Ryder. That's the brother. Start praying for this young man in Syracuse, New York. Well, th- sometime up here, I don't know, five or six days ago, I get an email from this guy in Syracuse, New York, who says, heard about, we want to talk. How can we do more? How can we connect? How can you... You know, he says, I'm like a shepherd type. How can you help me find a gatherer to help form this church I've been working at for a while and just not a lot's happened? How can we do that? And we're just seeing that kind of stuff happen all over the place to open up a new place for us to go because it's only about small beginnings. It's only about small beginnings. Because Jesus has to show up in those times. So I invite you to think, I invite you to pray, I invite you to take some of the ideas that I've shared this morning from from the Word of God, check them out. And as you become convinced of them, you know, talk to me, talk to Roger, talk to Pastor, talk, talk, pray, beg Jesus for a church a day in Alaska, beg Jesus for, we want 75 of these regional movements around the country, and Jesus has us, given us 28 or 29, so we're on the way. We've got to reach our country. Amen? We've got to reach our country. They've got to hear about Jesus. They've got to have church available to them. And we're the ones that have got to go tell them about Jesus. We're the ones that have got to go help put church with them. We have one of our networks called SeedNet, which is uh, where we go plant in low-income apartment complexes. And Nathan, who leads that, is working to be in the ten most dangerous cities in America. So all that started in Ohio. We have two owners of 350 apartment complexes who are Christians who have given us their blessing to plant a church in all 350 of those complexes in Ohio. And we have about 10 down, you know, 340 to go. Well, Nathan's taken it around the country, and so Andy, one of his teammates, one of our teammates, went to Memphis, Birmingham, and Atlanta. And each place met somebody new that's willing to partner with them to start a new church in that apartment complex, that low-income complex. Because they went, Jesus had to meet the person that was prepared. How many people are here in Alaska just waiting? It's been prepared. 
to find somebody that's going to say, let's do this. Jesus, I pray that you would challenge us and you would stir our hearts into new and amazing and powerful things. And Lord, I pray that as we do this, there would be one a day here in Alaska. That Jesus, you would stir our hearts and cause us to do this together because of who you are and how amazing you are. So thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing. Just keep drawing us to you. We look forward to seeing you soon. But until then, may we be found faithful to what you've called us to. And I pray in your name. Amen.